Veterans Hour is supported and underwritten by down-to-earth barbecue sauces and rubs. Gluten-free, no MSGs. 512-585-4497 or sauce at downtoearthbarbecue.com. Get down to earth and get sauced. Diesel D. I'm here with Steady Steve live in the studio for Veterans Hour on this day, Easter Sunday, April the 9th. Here with my buddy 
the Wolfman, George Wolf, in the studio live with me for the first time coming in. How are you? Good. I'm doing pretty well. Now, I have one little question I didn't really think about to ask you ahead of time. Did you park your bike that way on purpose? No. Oh, okay. Why? I was just wondering, is this the first time? You've been in the studio. This is the first time you've been in the studio. Welcome yeah. to our humble little studio. Uh, thank you. It's, it's, so, it's kind of nice, right? It's a little hole. It's not real fancy. It is. It's, you it's, can kind of see the street. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of like it as a veteran. It's very, you know, unremarkable. You know, I don't know if that's a military thing or, you know. And they play the music on the street. Is that from this radio station? Yeah. yeah. When you walk past, you can yeah, hear it. A so couple you, speakers up there. Yeah, the so there. there'll be, you know, people can walk by and occasionally they'll stop and be listening and look back at our heads and it's it's really nice. So, yeah. How was your trip getting here this morning? It was beautiful. Was gorgeous, it? Yeah. I keep forgetting you're the, you, Wolf, the bike guy. I mean, always on a bike. Yeah. We were talking about that earlier this morning about the, the weather and... Do you wear a helmet? Uh, no helmet. Do you? How do you ride in the rain? How do you keep all that mud from going in your eye, flipping around in your glasses? Glasses. Okay. Glasses. So you protect your eyes, but not your head. If it's below fifty degrees, I'll wear a full, a full face helmet. Usually, oh, okay. usually. Yeah. See, that's why I'm. I'm a. I'm a huge supporter of helmets, but I can also see where, like, I can't ever. I won't ever be be on a two wheel bike. One day I would like to try to, but I have Meniere's disease. That's what I got in the military. So my balance and that big old thing clogging off my ears and your periphery. And there was a I, point in time when I didn't even have a car. I went 20 years just bike only. Really? Yeah. And where did you live that whole time? Where Did you live in a place where there was no weather? Same place. Oh. I've had my same my place for 32 years. Have you? Yeah. You've been hiding out here in these hills longer <laughs> longer than I've been alive. Wink, wink. I bought a cash from, from my back pay for the military. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Now, where did you get out? What branch of the military were you in? Army. Okay, yes, that's we have that in common. Where did you where did you get out? When? Where and when? Where and when? Uh, well, I never really left. I mean, I was at 49th for a long time doing uh, teaching uh, 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 FTC, fire direction control, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. And then, so did you, you're, you've been here that long. Wow. Been hiding out. Yeah. See, we all have these little gold nuggets in these hills you just don't know about. You know, I think it's interesting. My father was a retired federal marshal out of uh, Cleveland. Okay. Came, came out here at the age of 50. Ohio or Texas? Ohio. Okay. Yeah, right. Because we do have a Cleveland. There Texas. is, yeah, right. Sorry. He, was, he had a real good buddy that was one of the sergeants. He retired, came out here, and next thing I know, dad's got beside us and needs a warmer climate. And mm -hmm. McAfee says, You got to check this Canyon Lake out. And next thing I know, I'm 16 going to Canyon Lake. That must have been interesting. No, it was, it was culture shock. I bet it was. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember ever seeing anybody and, from Canyon Lake when I was in high school here. I mean, like, it was just. It was well, over the hills. I'm it was sure over it was even hills. way more remote back then. Right. Yeah. Well, oh, it was, man. yeah. It was. We made a right turn off 35 and went 12 miles. There was a single light, nothing up mm -hmm. for 12 mm -hmm. miles. That's back when uh, uh, the Brothels had three traffic lights. Right, right. Yeah. That was back in the day. Yeah, and we had a houseboat and a sailboat out on Canyon. And so we would go out there on weekends. Well, we had friends who had that. And we, we had family stuff out there and every weekend in the summer. Gosh. And now it's so different. You still like it? I do. Uh, I would never go back to a big city. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, but party, I go to San Antonio and stuff like that, to party and stuff. But to party? To live. Well, yeah, and your, and our appointments. Our, 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 and our, sure, you know, yeah. Our wellness appointments and our good, healthy things that we do. <laughs> and there is an airport there, so, I mean. Well, yeah. It's, it's convenient to have a city nearby. It's but, nice to but have. But you don't want to live in one. Right. The city of New Braunfels. And, and <laughs> San Antonio was a, what do you call it, a suburb of New Braunfels. <laughs> oh, God. He's rolling his eyes at me. Okay. Well, I, just, I just know the guy that owned the airport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his his uh, uh, nephew was uh, Bubba Farrar, and back when I was 
And Young. Braunfels Airport? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. no, Canyon oh, Lake Canada. Airport. Oh, the Canyon Lake Airport. Yeah. I didn't even know they had an airport. Back when I was a kid, he had the keys to the fuel pump and stuff. So I was actually putting like 135 octane in, in my GTO, <laughs> which only lasted like three tanks in that fried engine. But Probably. I was a kid, I didn't know any better. You know? Right. right yeah. That sounds like Canyon Lake Well, because I used childhood. to work at an airport fueling airplanes, but that was jet fuel. It never occurred to me to put it in a car. <laughs> That's funny. I got to see how. I just know that we had guys on the flight line that were drinking that stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, t- guess what? Today, I want to do this day in history real quick before we start because I think sure. it's an interesting day. Today, in this his- on this day in history, 1865, Robert E. Lee surrendered, which also is also on the same day that um, we pulled out of, um, let's see, what was it? So the what? official day they signed the treaty or whatever. Yeah. The, okay. Yes. And then also on called. this day was the fall of Baghdad on this day in 2003. Gosh, that was... That was 20 years ago? I don't know. I remember back, I mean, I was out way before all that stuff happened and stuff. And When did you get out? 88. Oh, yeah. my God, I was I always kept calling this Iraqi war the new war and stuff, but it's like. No, there's been two of them, yeah. yeah. Two decades. Back to back. Two decades ago by before you know it. So you got out and came back to Canyon about the time I was getting out of high school. That's inter- Yeah, because I was starting college. And, yeah, I got out end of 86 myself. Out of the military or out of high school? Oh. Out of Air Force, yeah. Yeah, I got out, yeah. I graduated in 89. So, yeah, I was. And I remember. Well, and then that first Gulf War started in January, February of 89. It started, 90. well, I was in, my, I was in college because I remember getting, I, have the, I still have the newspaper from the San Marcos mm-hmm. Daily Record. And I was going, oh, just, you know, I was thinking, am I going to have to take my exams today? <laughs> I mean, we're going to war. Surely we can delay this exam until <laughs> next week and see what happens. They didn't buy it. Yeah, I didn't get any missed exam days. But anyway, so yeah, that's how clueless I was when I was in college. I didn't have any, like, I had a girlfriend who was in the Air Force Reserve. She was in the Reserve, or the, I guess the Guard, what do they call it, the Air Guard? And she was yeah. going to school, and she told everybody, she dropped out of school because she got tired. She had some boyfriend or something. When she dropped out of school, told everybody that uh, she was getting deployed. And then, of course, once she came out uh, out of school, they went after Air Force pulled her up and they deployed her. Anyway, so yeah, you can't do that kind of funny. Thing. And we're always so young when we go in the military. I, mean, uh, I was older though. I was my best thinking at, with the college degree. I was thirty-two when I joined. Really? They let oh. you join that at that age? No, I was twenty-six. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I was twenty-six when I joined. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got my ages wrong. I was twenty-three when I got out. <laughs> Oh my I was god. Say, yeah, that's, I went in that's at 19, six years. Uh, yeah. Got out oh my god, I just wanted to blend. I just did not I mean, you know, I was a grandma compared to everybody else in there. But that also was an advantage. I mean, I think that I had I mean, I'm glad I had some stuff going on out, you know. I was clueless about the military when I went in, so. I was the youngest in all, all three of my platoons, yeah. Really? Yeah. We had a we had a, a female who came through Veterans Court and I would love to have her on the radio show, but she uh she was the youngest Texas um, enlisted army recruit or something. She got a letter from the governor and they came down and presented it with her. You're still 17, right? You it's 17, 17 but I think she signed, signed when she was 16. And I signed when I was 16. Yeah, so I don't know. And then you have like your parents' permission or something? Yeah, yeah. you have to have yeah. your parents' permission. I was talking on dad like last week. Because mm-hmm. my whole, my whole uh, family's Navy and I was going Army. And, <laughs> and, How'd that go over at the dinner table? He, he, he wanted to know why and stuff. And uh, mine of a 16-year-old is you need dry land to retreat on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't think Navy, I, don't, I can't. 
Yeah. Well, because uh, my brother was in the Coast Guard, and he was saying they always called them shallow water sailors. You know, oh, the, that? the Navy would make fun of the Coast Guards. Like, y'all aren't real sailors. Don't we all just make fun of everybody? Well, sure. I mean, is that that inner rivalry? Rivalry between uh, the disciplines. My dad, my dad was a gunner's mate on, on a battleship, World War II, and uh, he didn't know how to swim. Mm. I mean, back then they'd have they didn't use your social security number; they used a serial number. Right. And Dad noticed that he's called a serial number. The guy just jumped in the pool and swam. So they gave a guy like a dollar when that number was called, and the other guy swam checkmark by his. By his <laughs> Well, because I mean, I've been on a cruise ship out in the middle of the ocean before, and it's like, no, I don't think I could do this for six months. You know, yeah, like, however I, long they deploy. Yeah, I, I need to see some land. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least by the end of the second day. I just, yeah. Well, and that's why I think about that man without a sea, the man without a country. Remember that bit? Do y'all do y'all ever remember that book? It made an impression on me. I don't read it in high school, but he cursed. His nation, and so they left, left him at sea for the rest of it. His punishment was he was to float back and forth between the U.S. and England his whole life, and he'd get to the see the White Cliffs of Dover, and they'd put him on another. He just yeah, send him back out. Stock up his boat and send him on his way. Right, he was a prisoner. It was <laughs> like whoa. Here's some fresh water. Now be gone. Yeah, if you don't like your land, then you don't have to have it. Well, is that, that like a real story? I mean, no. it's. I'm trying to figure. out. I've got to go back and look where it is. It's. It's a. It's. It's a piece of literary work. I've got to look at. It. I've got to ask my mom at breakfast this morning. She'll know. But yeah, that's called a man without a country. So, I mean, I, I recognize that title. That sounds familiar. But, but yeah, I don't know how how uh, legit it was, or autobiographical, or biographical at all. So anyway, um, the Astrodome opened on this day in 1965. Hmm. You ever been to the Astrodome? Oh, uh, no, no. That is I was born in 65, though, May. Oh, really? That's so interesting because you had, like, a whole different lifetime in the military before I ever got out of high school. But you're only, we're only five years apart in yeah. age. I think that's so funny. You went in close to, you said 26, I guess. And yeah, you were yeah. older when you joined. I went in yeah. 17. Right. I was 80s. Yeah. Was and how long did you spend in? Six Okay. So I got injured in like two and a half years and stuff, and uh, so I was at home and still paying me and stuff. It was kind of odd how that happened. I mean, it there's I remember. I thought it was nice, but I also felt left out. You know, I really didn't like. I didn't like getting paid and not being with my buddies and oh, right, yeah. sidelined, and you know, I kind of felt like I had one foot in the military, one foot in a handicap placard, and I didn't like it. It was, you know, it was kind of a lost place. Right. Yeah, you know, but anyway. So, and so then you got out in, in, said, seven, eighties, what'd you say, 86? Yeah, that was my senior year. Is that when the Libya flight stuff, when did the... That was 86, because I was still in. Okay, because yeah. I also was in yeah. high school. I feel like everything, every time I heard some national emergency at school, I was at, there was one particular stairwell, I was always going up and down, and then we'd do an announcement. <laughs> On the, you know, and you just happened to be uh, yeah. hearing it there. Space shuttle, yeah, with the space shuttle going down. That was '86, also. Yeah, yeah. I was in that. I was, I, oh, that broke my heart completely. My God. Yeah, I was, and that see, that's what scared me, because I remember being in high school, hearing jets flying over, and thinking, yeah, the Libyans are coming. Here they come. Maybe I'm gonna miss my <laughs> algebra test. <laughs> Maybe I miss band practice. So um, let me ask you this, George, because let's see. You and I, the one thing we have in common is in addition to the Army um, and land, a need for land, the uh, Veterans Court. And you have recently gotten back involved in that. And you were kind of one of the founding um, 
Lab rats. I don't want to say lab rats, but yeah, you back, were at the very back, beginning. Back when the experimental, yeah. Yeah. And do you, were you Hayes or Comel? I was Comel. Okay. So yeah. So I was, that is interesting because I was working, um, I was still, let's see, when did I, see, I don't have the one when Comel's, I was not there when Comel's commissioner's court signed all their stuff in. But, um, but yeah, that's when Jean Hooper and Lolly, remember Lolly Sholak? Uh, not really. She was, um, she was one of the founding females that worked with, um, the Colonel Raymond was at court every time, though. Yeah, you know? yeah. And see, and see, we had, see, and that's interesting, because we had him, he split between Comal and Hayes. And and it was, uh, see, we always saw him. I think Hayes was so much stricter than, than I mean, Comal was a little bit stricter than Hayes. I mean, there's a few minor differences between the two, um, just based on the population of people that are coming through the courts. But, um, yeah, I remember him, he would, we, Brad, I never knew who was a colonel. It's been a couple of years, you know, since I was in that courtroom, and you know, since since the charges, I had five charges on me and stuff. And uh, yeah, that's what I, I mean. I, you don't have to tell me all like the incense, but yeah, how did how did you get involved in veterans court? Because well, you're a big fan of it. Well, I hired uh, uh, David Nye as my lawyer and stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he just basically just told me about it because I had no knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw Colonel Ramey. I, I submitted my application. I was accepted. Mm-hmm. So, how long was the application process back then when you did that? An hour. Was it? Wow, that's interesting. And did they have, where were you, now did they have, when you first went in to Veterans Court, do you remember what the requirements were for a lot of them? Because they had a lot of requirements. Uh, the only one I really was aware of is honorably discharged. Oh, okay. No, but I was just thinking about while you're in the Veterans Court, while you're participating in Veterans Court, the classes, I'm trying to remember the classes and the requirements. I know that they have you. Um, oh, it's crazy strict. I mean, a lot of it's been deleted. A yeah. lot of it. I mean, yeah. it was it was so heavy with, with with things we had to do. It was it was it was all, over overwhelming. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So just to clarify for me, it's basically when a veteran gets in the legal system, you have a separate, basically a separate court system. Right. That allows the veteran to go through and. It actually, it's, it, it allows you to look at your behaviors that got you where you're at. Like, how right. are you here? And is this where you want to be? And you, how long, you know, if you don't want to do, if you want to do something different, we'll help you. So it's not just the trial. It's the, no, it's, the yeah. ongoing treatment. It's an ongoing treatment course. And, and the benefit mm-hmm. thing for veterans and stuff is that some charges and stuff, if they're minuscule and stuff, can be expunged. So they're oh, off nice. your record. Right. right. Which civilians don't have that option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Once it's on there, yeah. And so that was one of the big things is because, and again, and I always say this, one of the hardest things I've always, you know, in my time working with veterans and as as a as an probation and parole officer, what I saw was the shame it was to be in front of the flag, in front of a judge, being charged with something that there's a good chance nobody's trained you how either not to do it or has told you, especially in Texas, we don't know the laws. There's so many people coming here, they don't understand. You know, you can't just pull out a gun at somebody, and, and it's, there's going to be consequences. Not even in Texas. Not right? even in Texas. There's, yeah, I always tell people, there's one lone star in this state, and you ain't it. I, I was ashamed, you know, when, when I got those charges on me and stuff. I had a mm-hmm. sweet, clean record and stuff, and that happened. And my father, being who he was, a law dog and stuff, it's like I've really felt terrible. I really did, you know. And that's horrible. And, the, you know, and, and I think veterans also innately have a um, – there's a level of guilt and shame that we come out with that we either didn't do enough, we could have done better. I mean, and that's part of what the military trains us. There's always something wrong with what we should have done better. And so I think when you get out from the military and you get to a point where, you know, you can be kind of okay. I mean, what I hope is you, you get to a point where you can be okay with your service 
and then to get in trouble with the criminal justice system is, you know, that's that's tough. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's you know a lot of people haven't had to stood up stand up in front of anybody in charge of them since they've been in the military. You know, and those are the really the only two people that can take your life as the military and the judges. <laughs> and you know, you know, to get stood up in front of both of them in one lifetime is a little rough. The odd part is when I was in the veterans court and stuff, you know, being on probation and stuff, I was kind of like. Uh, Randy actually stood up for me to get me in the system. The, the judge and the DA blackballed me, did not want me in. <clears throat> for some reason, Colonel Ramey stood up and let me in because it was his program. He can do mm-hmm. whatever he wants. And right. Well, and, you know, and that, that that's I like that because there's a lot of people, you know, especially with, the, you know, one of the challenges we had for Veterans Court creating it, what I remember, was making sure that the civilian response to veteran issues was actually something that was going to impact like how it was going to impact the veteran. Because we have a lot of veterans, 30 days in jail is nothing. I mean, you know, what, why would I want to do this treatment court because it's like this long period of time and I can just, you know, be done with it. And so there, there is that commitment. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Because that's a big part. That's the difference is you have to agree to participate. I mean, and so it's agreement between the judge and the veteran um, and then all that support. I mean, What that did, they gave me extra drive. I mean, the, the Colonel Ramey which a man I never knew before <clears throat> stood up for me like that to get me in the system and stuff. So they gave me the drive that I would not fail. I mean, Sometimes, yeah, you need that little well, yeah, shot when, of support. When other people are counting on you, then it's not just Then we letting, know how to suit up and go. It's not just letting yourself down. It's letting others down, right. too. So. Yeah. Do we have to take a break? Right. Yeah, it's Okay, we'll be right back. All right, you're listening to Veterans Hour here on KZSM.org, True Community Radio in San Marcos, Texas. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host and guests. Do not reflect those of KZSM Community Radio or its governing body, SMTX CRA, and we'll be right back after this. The Price Center and Garden is delighted to be hosting San Marcos' fifth annual all-women's art show, honoring International Women's Day, See Me, Changing Perceptions. Features 88 beautiful, thought-provoking, and inspired works of art by 88 different area women through a wide range of subjects, media, and traditional and alternative creative techniques. The show provides voice to their unique and engaging perspectives. This year, in celebration of our fifth anniversary, the experience is being expanded to include several additional gatherings and sharing and growing opportunities throughout the duration of the show. All events are free and open to all. We encourage you to visit our website, price-center.org, to get more information and or to register for individual sessions. The Price Center is located at 222 West San Antonio Street in San Marcos, Texas. See you there. Veterans Hour is supported and underwritten by Down to Earth Barbecue Sauces and Rubs. Gluten-free, no MSGs. 512-585-4497 or sauce at downtoearthbarbecue.com. Get down to earth and get sauced. Yes, when we were talking, you, you bring up a good point because, you know, we were talking about Texas laws and how people get tangled up and and um, yeah, that would be kind of cool to have a pod. Although a podcast that is dedicated strictly to Texas laws, oh my God, it would always be changing. I mean, I, I still uh-huh. get the Texas legislative updates that occur every year, 
And it's always interesting because you read the mind. I mean, it's just, it's, we're so funny. We're so cool. I mean, that's why it'd be a weekly show. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do all the updates. Or... Right. And a lot of people get in trouble and stuff of ignorance of the law because they don't know the laws. They don't know right. really breaking something and they get in trouble for it because they have no knowledge of right. it. Well, and a good example of that, and you're, you know, we were talking about hometowns and Canyon and, and the Hill Country, is this uh, Delta 8 marijuana stuff that the, the juice that everybody mm -hmm. says is because it's at the store it's okay and it's still a state jail felony that's one of the things that is a perfect example that a veteran could get wrapped up in because um you know they you, you don't know you have no idea and you know they sold at the store and they say it's not illegal and it's like well you know i would ask my lawyers you know and see and they shouldn't bother you about it, but they do. I mean, and Canyon Lake has, they've been making some local news about I'm arresting against, so marijuana. many kids. I'm totally against marijuana. I really am. I mean, it, it truly is a gateway drug. It really well, is, right. So. But regardless, but there's, I mean, but there's a lot, just like open container laws, just like any other law in Texas, people, the ignorance of not knowing and how expensive it is to find out. Right on. It's right a on. very expensive lesson to learn your laws, so you might as well get them down in civic class before you get pulled over. What's strange in like uh, <laughs> Texas and stuff, they have the the beer barns where you bring your your bottle in, and they sell setups. All mm -hmm. right. Well, uh, lately, I guess the last five years, you have to have a, a flask extended and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Well, the thing is, is like if you're coming from the bar or something, you have an open container because you were pouring it in the, into their uh, the <laughs> thing they sold you. You know the right. uh, set. so when right. you're leaving. You can't pour stuff on the ground. It's expensive nowadays. I mean, it's littering so you, too. So That's you, a good law too. They know you're you're you are leaving the bar with an open container. Right. So it's, it's like a catch twenty two type type of thing. That right. law should be fixed somehow, some way. I just don't. I don't know. We have beer don't. barns where you bring your liquor in. They sell you a setup, and you pour your own liquor. When you leave, you still have liquor, and it's not sealed. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that same thing with the wine. When you go to a wine place and they you buy the bottle and you stick it in the bottle and take it home. You know, I think that I think the important thing about it is if it's I don't know. See, I don't want to start talking about law because I'm not sure. But I think there's something about your I know an open wine bottle needs to be in the trunk. It cannot be accessible right to you. So if you, yeah. you know, but I don't know how you. Would so when I first started driving, you could have open containers in the vehicle. Mm -hmm. It's just the driver couldn't have one. Right. Yes. You know, it's like, are you kidding me? Because that's why you see so much litter is nobody wants to leave their cans in the floor of their car either. Yeah. Maybe one out here when I was here when I was 16, you were allowed to drink and drive. Mm -hmm. For a ticket, you put your beer on the on squad car hood and get your license out. And back in the day, then it changed and, and changed. And had the shotgun rack in the back of the truck, too. Mm -hmm. We went to high school with, with, with deer rifles in the back of our truck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember those. I had my uncle had one. We ride around. It was in, I mean, because you never know. Copperheads, snakes. You didn't go running around the country without something. But the world's Hacksaw changed. Hacksaw or something. The world's changed dramatically oh, yeah. and stuff. We just can't have bit. that nowadays. Uh, you yeah. cannot. I mean. Well, yeah. Uh, cause, cause, cause for alarm. Days were simpler back then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that would be that would be a good podcast. It would keep us certainly busy. We need to have our. We need to have our like. Um, I need to maybe Billy McNabb. I need to have my like my reserve. <laughs> council person that i can say like once a year send him a, a challenge question and say hey which one do we need to grapple with the veterans are going to go up the hill <laughs> which law do we need to go find <laughs> i don't know right right it's There's... only 45 minutes up the street it won't take us much. but to get back to veterans court and stuff i mean when colonel ramey let me in and stuff like that he didn't tell me that that he was the one that let me in the other guys didn't want to right until um months later you know and then uh I was the only veteran. Uh, we had quite a few vets back then, like probably, I don't know, about 22, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm W. Wolf, some last guy called. And, mm -hmm. 
and uh, I mean, the point is, is that all the other vets after court and stuff would vacate big time. Mm -hmm. But I would actually spend time at the coffee shop with Colonel Ramey and stuff, call him and, and spend time with him and stuff. You know what I mean? And that's what is so important about that, is those connections. That's why I became a mentor. I mean, I, I had I can't remember the name of that that one word when you you're, you uh, love your captors and start thinking the way they do oh, and stuff like Montel that. Oh no, Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. Right. That's why I told, <laughs> when I was graduating. That's why I told Colonel Ramey is like I love the the structure. I love all this stuff. I said I really hate to to get off probation. Yeah. Right. So Come back. Well, I was I was uh, talking to uh, tactical operations center, so mm -hmm. that was our thing. Was you know yeah that, that type of structure. And, that, and see, that's and a lot of again, a lot of times, that's the only structure. You know, I ran into that when I had when I had um, um, people on probation who were prior military, and it you know I had a lot of them tell me that you know the, that was the only thing that was structured in their life: come rain, come shine, come graduation, parents dying, people. Probation was there every month. You know, I mean, and and it's even more intensive with with veteran treatment court. You know, they they do the they do very did did they have the stages the various stages? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Really, and they yeah. still have stages. So you know, it is a lot like it reminds me a little bit of basic training when you go in and you have intense supervision. Uh, you know, it's just a culture shock, and then as you get further into it, they slowly release some right. of your you know, well you some know, of the restrictions. Regardless of your opinions of the military, there's no denying that they figured things out through trial and error. Right. You know, they they know what works and doesn't work just by sheer numbers. You know? Right. We do have some numbers to show. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you this. What was probably one of the, I mean, what do you bring into your role as a mentor now coming out on the other side of it? Well, uh, I haven't been assigned a mentee yet, mm -hmm. but I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, helping fellow veterans out big time, mm -hmm. you know. Now, do you think you have to have a mentee in order to do that? No, not see, at all. I think so, too. See, I mean, because I think it's critical. I, in fact, I think it's almost, I mean, if we had more veterans supporting, I mean, not, you know, I don't, I've always been kind of a nervous about that term mentor because yeah. I don't feel like I know anything more or less than anybody else. Like, I've, I'm, I've had mentors my entire life. Have you? I really have. Well, I, mean, I have music, yeah, I have music mentors, but not courtroom mentors. I'm scared of that. That scares me. My father, I mean, being who he was, a federal marshal and stuff like that, I was raised way different than other people, big mm -hmm. time. You know, I had more discipline to begin with. Mm hmm. And then I met people throughout my life, like a guy named uh, uh, Fessler. Okay. That's uh, a great name. This is his last name, and he's very German. And uh, I looked up to him because he was a very substantial man. I mean, he, he had things, he worked hard, and he had good moral standards and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and I just adore people like that. Yeah. You know, they do well in life. That's the people you need to look up to. Right. People, a mentor is basically somebody you want to be like. Yeah. Find the person who's going where you want to go and stick with them and... Well, and then I think questions. also they take that role responsibly too. Yeah. It's like people are looking up to me. I've got to set the example. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, not so much that they're doing it for other people. Very correct. Huh? But they're doing it because they understand how visible they are. Right. And yeah. and I think you know one of the I think one of the hardest things that it probably the most challenging things that I see with the mentor I mean with the veterans going through is the substance, the alcohol, you know that. Even if you aren't a big drinker, or if that wasn't even what your offense was related to, I mean, studies have always shown that recidivism increases when intake of al alcohol increases. And so, but that, you know, trying to find healthy coping mechanisms and ways to carry out stress that doesn't involve, you know what, I'm just going to go sit down and have a beer at the bar and watch the game. You know, and that's, 
that whole change, it's hard to change behaviors. It is. It's, you know, so that's what it's like. I'm, that's why I love having you on here. Is, what was your hardest behavior to try to change? Um, really none, really. I mean, I'm, I'm a different type of circumstance type of guy. But one thing that really, that really broke my heart is during Veterans Court, you have a veteran that, that could not comply with the program. Mm -hmm. And you get busted with, with dirty UAs and stuff like that. And next thing you know, with Veterans Court, he's walking in a different door in shackles and an orange right. suit. And he failed the system. Now he's got to do full time. Right, and, and that's that, what's upset. That's disappointing. And another thing that they did in Veterans Court, I haven't seen this time. Well, I haven't had a chance to because that has not happened yet. But uh, when that would happen, or when a veteran would would fail a certain way, uh, the judge would make the veteran turn towards the peanut gallery. Or that's why I call it the peanut, peanut gallery. gallery. All the other vets sit in the seats, and. Uh, the veterans would stand up and give him morale and tell him he could do it, stuff like that. And, you know, the veterans that are un yeah. under probation, just like he is, right. are, can't are talking us, to him because he got in trouble and stuff. Right. You can't fail the team, and we're all sitting here rooting for you, and it's a small leak in your boat, but don't let it make it let it won't take the ship down. Reassurance right on. Mm -hmm. well, and so, well, yeah. and, and it's that accountability as well. It's like we're all in this together. You know, I think one of the things that they do now that they didn't, I don't know if they did it, they do the, the individual meeting with the veterans afterwards, after court, which I really think is good because the veterans really, they, you know, it's, it's you can see when someone's new, they're, you can tell that they're the hesitance and they're trying to figure out who's who and what's going on. And I think that time after court when it's just the veterans and the VA person and people are allowed to just speak freely and get to know each other is so important, you know, because you really do see there's not a type of person, you know, we feel like I'm a criminal and it's like, you know, we just, we make bubbles and we're lucky enough that we have some benefits for us. Well, it's not that the system is out to get anybody, but if you don't know how the system works, you can easily get screwed over. Absolutely. And like I said, and it's, it's been, well, and freedom isn't free. Right. I mean, and that's what's so crazy. So, I mean, I guess the, just as an outsider hearing about this, the thing I find appealing is like you're sort of guiding these people through the system. Right. You know. And that's very much what, what it is. Which is what an expensive lawyer would do, too, right. I guess, or whatever. But When I first went in the, the system and stuff, I mean, I was pretty much scared uh, uh, toughly. I mean, I mean, going to jail, stuff like that, that was, that was nothing, you know. But going to the Veterans Court first time and stuff, it's like – I got to do this, you know. I got these charges on me, which I never had charges on me before and stuff. And uh, it was kind of scary in the very beginning. It really was. I mean, mm. it really Those was. Those doors look very heavy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they make them, they're huge and they're big. It's well, like, right. Oh. You don't know what you're up against. Yeah. You can't fight an enemy you can't see. Right. You know? well, yes. And then a lot of it might be in your control and you're not even aware of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And those horrible, just the stress of that one triangle on the door when you can't, you can't see in the courtroom. Oh, right. And you just, and it's just, Oh well, my gosh! That's by design too. Well, absolutely. You know, that's. I mean, there's a period of that you're not knowing what you're walking you. into. Let you know that you're powerless right now. Right. There's your sliver of daylight right there. <laughs> Being under the county's thumb—that's the part that got me the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's oh, yeah. the part there. You know. Now, do you feel like when you entered Veterans Court? Now, that, is there a sense that everybody knows what's going on with you when you're in when you're in Veterans Court? What do you mean? I mean, as far as like like being in trouble with the county, do you feel like you know I'm driving home and I see, you know, I don't know the county clerk or or whoever, and I was like, oh, that you know that shame. They know I'm in trouble. Is there that sense, or is it just you had? Is it the stress of knowing every county law and being scared you're gonna mess up? 
it, it, was, it was like failing my father. I mean, my father, who he was and everything. Yeah. My father was not only a retired uh, a federal marshal out of Cleveland, but when he got down here, he couldn't retire. He, he, go, he goes, my mom, he goes, well, I'm going to be a, a, a deputy reserve. He goes, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to be a deputy sheriff. I'm going to be a deputy constable. Uh, uh, they don't ever quit. Uh, mm -hmm. A constable named uh, uh, Fidel Tamez stepped down in the middle of his term, which is a four-year term, and dad applied. To, to be counsel, you know, in front of the, like seven judges, and mm -hmm. they take the best resume. And of course, nobody could beat my father's resume, mm -hmm. so he was appointed counsel for two years. And then he ran and, and won as, as well and stuff like that. And my father, who he was, and me getting in trouble with the county like that, it really hit my heart heavy. Hmm. I bet. Yeah, that was that makes sense. Now, is your dad still around? No, uh, my dad's been dead for like twenty nine years. Has him. That's interesting. That uh, what an imprint. Okay, so let me ask you this: If you had to give a suggestion to someone who was just now um, being given an option of of veterans court or regular the regular criminal pathway that criminal courts go, what uh, would your advice? My advice would be: Check out your options. Options. I'm a, a man. Uh, it's a biker and stuff. He's military and uh, retired military and. I talked about veterans court, and he said that was not the avenue for him to go. I mean, right. It was a better avenue going civilian than it was veterans court, but for a lot of people, many people, mm -hmm. uh, veterans court is the way to go. Plus, the fact how they help you out with your fines and stuff like that. Right. And, and they help you out with other items and stuff that are very costly for other people that can like afford it. Like an attorney. Like an attorney. If you, I mean, that's one of the things that comes. You get a, you, every time you go, you have, you can have your own attorney. And come in, but then once you get in, at some point you have legal counsel there, and so you don't have to have your, you're not paying your attorney to be there every time. And, and the smart devices for like uh, and drinking and stuff like that. I mean, interlocks. that is highly expensive for some people. It's like it's what was a hundred bucks ten years ago. Every time you had to so, get it calibrated, and so the veterans court will veterans help. pick up that tab too, yeah. You know, because it's otherwise the defendant would be paying all that. Yes, that's how they're helping all the veterans. I mean, us veterans, we t we help the. The, the country mm -hmm. uh, big time and now the country is actually handing something back to us is the way sure. I'm looking at it it's you know, yeah we're and being rewarded for what we've done and say yeah let's slow yeah and, and so and there's yeah you have that you also have access to um, there's several pro there's there's several different organizations but the we you know a lot of veterans come in with legal issues that don't have anything to do with criminal law they have tenant landlord issues they've got eviction notices child support we have people going through um, divorces and separations right. that you don't Trying have to get back pay or any right other issues, or you know issues, yeah. and you've got a child in another county or another city or and trying to find out especially a lot of fathers you know fa I mean any kind of separation family thing is, is gonna be tough but you know, I see a lot of the stress of a lot of the fathers who are coming in who are veterans, and they're having they're not able to see their children, and that is, I mean, that's a horrible situation to be and in your child's life all the time, and then all of a sudden you can see your child maybe once, you know, and you've got to figure it out for court, and that's just you know, and so those are resources that are available at Veterans Court that you just say, hey, I don't know, is there somebody who can help me with this? And we all brainstorm together and figure out what we need to do and and get the resources to them. So I think. You know, yeah, look, and, and you're right. I think I have met one person who did not want the option of veterans court. They just wanted it to be done with it. And, you know, and I guess, and, and there's, and that to each his own. I guess what I would say is, again, at the end of this judicial journey that the veterans are, if they want to do something different, they will have been given an option. 
So that opportunity to sit at the end of your journey and say, well, I didn't know any better, or I couldn't do this because, or but, 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 is kind of gone. Yeah. You know, because we did everything we could, and if you're in that orange jumpsuit, it's because you those behaviors, you did not want to change behaviors. And like I said, it's hard yeah. to change behavior. It is. I don't like it. It's addiction is what it is. I mean, they're addicted to the to the alcohol or the drugs so much that or shopping that, or whatever how, that, that, it gets in. That, that's how they fail in court is they can't stop. You, you know? can't. Yeah, you can't. Don't want. Do we need to take another break? Yes. Okay, we'll be right back. The lifelong learning organization of San Marcos fosters pleasurable personal growth by offering a broad range of stimulating and engaging courses for self fulfillment. Subjects range from courses in art, art appreciation, history science, writing, literature, geography, and many more. Each course will be presented by members of the community who are rich in their subject knowledge and are excited to share what they know. Whatever your age, you'll find courses to fit your interests and you'll interact virtually, well, at least for the time being, with instructors and fellow learners who share those interests. If you're interested in possibly becoming a presenter with lifelong learning, or you have ideas for topics to be offered, or you just want to find out more, please contact Marianne Reese at lifelonglearningsm at gmail.com, or you can call 512-216-6427. Veterans Hour is supported and underwritten by down-to-earth barbecue sauces and rubs, gluten-free, no MSGs, 512-585-585. 4497 or sauce at com. Get down to earth and get sauced. Now we're back. All right, now we're back. Uh, live in the studio for Veterans Hour. Our, what the, my buddy the wolf. Um, and you, yeah, there's, you've got a list over there. Yeah. He's got some stuff. I want to talk about military uh, soldiers and, and suicide. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we get out and, uh, Sometimes it's very traumatic for us, and sometimes we get out with PTSD, stuff like that, kicks in real hard. And, uh, I mean, sometimes you have to take medication. You should take the medication. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and people think they, they're, they're good without the medication and stuff, and they're really not. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they take their medication, they get off of it. They think they're doing great. Well, it takes time, like a month, sometimes a month and a half, for that medication to deplete out of your system. Right. So you think you're doing good, and all of a sudden now it's depleted. Now, in my case... I was getting locked up all the time. I was fighting all the time. I thought mm-hmm. I'd be good on it, you know, quitting my medication, and I'd do slow, slow downhill thing. And, and the next thing I know, I'm going to Audie Murphy, being locked up at C2, all that stuff, and, mm-hmm. and it's just a bad thing. Yeah, um, it is. It's it's tough. I mean, and I don't know. I've certainly been there, you know, trying to figure out how to get that wellness and get to a place of peace. So yeah, I appreciate you talking about that. Um, yeah, because you've got some experience with that. Uh, I mean, you know, people, you know, try to commit suicide, so like like a thing for help and stuff, but then some people actually do it. Right. Well, I was to the point where I was kind of that way. I mean, right. I would I would take my medication, like a bunch of it, like bottles of it, mm-hmm. and I'm fixing to die. And I, magically, Dad would open up the door and try to talk to me. And when he's talking to me, he knows my words are all slurred and all whacked out, and he'd stick me in his car, Audie Murphy. I really never knew what uh, up your hose with a rubber nose meant with Bob, Bob, Vinnie Barbarino <laughs> yeah. until it happened to me. That's just uh, a your stomach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it it's not mind. fun. Ooh, that charcoal. Charcoal breakfast. That's not <laughs> good. Go ahead. Sorry. 
But I mean, it's just. But yeah, so. Do you still participate in in programs with the VA? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did my even before Veterans Court. I I would take certain programs and stuff. They have they offer them and stuff and different mm -hmm. different uh, VAs and stuff. And I took anger management, which I didn't have to. I just took, I took it because, because I wanted to. And I found out a lot of things and it opened my eyes. I mean, this PTSD hits these soldiers so hard. They're hitting their children and their and their wives really hard physically and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they just need help. They need. They need help. They need they need psychiatrists. They need to be right. talked to and you know to help them on their way to stop that kind of stuff. Well, and you know what happened? You know, my experience was um, you know I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just knew that there was some I wasn't right, and um, and it got to the point. You know, and and I remember saying, you know, I don't. You know, I I packed a bag. I had my daughter, and that was the biggest thing. Is I don't know what I would have done had I not had my daughter. I was just like, I've got to be able to take care of my child, and I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not even at like forty percent. So I just remember going um, to yeah, take my daughter to my parents and said, I don't know what's wrong. I got to go get some help. And I remember walking in saying, I don't want to die, but I don't want to keep living like this. Right. You know, I just really don't know. I don't know what else to do. And that's where the VA was so critical. And I did, yeah, I went in and I did like seven years. I mean, still, and, they, and what I love is they still have programs that you can just make an appointment. You can walk in at any time. And regulating emotions was a big one for me because I didn't know how to deal with my, like if I get stressed out, that anxiety that comes with PTSD, not knowing how to go, okay, how do I self-manage this? And also it's your pride too. I mean, I mean, soldiers think that they're almost invincible. They can do yeah. anything, but that creeps up on them, and it's, it's happening to them. Mm -hmm. And their pride is saying, "Don't go get help and stuff like that." Right. But I can do this on my own, but actually, they can't. Right. And a lot of times, I mean, I didn't even realize how out of control I was until other people. So having people, you know, I always, I, I always worry, you know, or I guess I say, we all, you know, we want people off our back, and we want people to leave us alone until they actually do. And when, you know, veterans have alienated themselves to the point that nobody, you know, they've pushed everyone away that's telling them this isn't acceptable, that's, yeah, that's what's like, okay, where do you well, go? I was going through all that trauma myself when I first got out mm -hmm. uh, for many years, and uh, I do not have PTSD. Mm -hmm. you know, most soldiers I talk to and stuff, most everybody has that PTSD, and mm -hmm. I do not have it, but yeah, I went to the same mental trauma. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's in the brain, and the way the things that you know, the brain's just magical, it's very fascinating, it's very interesting. Um, and it's also, you know, it's it, just having the keys and the resources to, you know, um, what am I trying to say? Ask for that four-letter word you say you of help. To reach out. Yeah, yeah that four-letter word, that bad four-letter word of help. Well, I mean, when you're in pain, you all you can think about is yourself. Right. But you got to recognize that somebody has been through this before. Right. Somebody knows how to deal with this. Right. You just, you know, it's up to you to seek out the help. And again, the importance of mentors. It's, you yeah. know, someone you can go to and say, how is my behavior doing? I mean, do you fit, you know, or some, someone who can sit next to you and go, hey, man, you seem particularly antsy, or have you eaten? Are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> or just a veteran out in his own, his own ordinary day and stuff with no, no class and stuff like that, like listen to your friend or your wife or your child, and they say, hey, man, something's not right. Right. Bosses, when you get fired from four jobs in three weeks, <laughs> you know, that's something that, you know. Um, and you know, and I giggle, but, but it's not. I mean, it is. It is very much a very serious issue. And so, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. What else you got for us? You got uh, that big list over there. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> not too I much stuff. It. But 
like like me, you know, I talk to other veterans and stuff like that, and I've I've gone through a lot of surgery and stuff with bike wrecks and stuff like that. I got a lot of metal in me and and heart surgeries, all that heavy stuff. But uh, uh, civil, civilian doctors versus military doctors, how do you feel about that? Which one do you think has more knowledge or better their well, job? Well, you know what? That's a tough question because I use them both, and the reason why is because I think that between the two of them, there's probably I mean, for technology and the newest drugs and the newest treatments. I see the military, right but the trusted ones that have made it through and made it out to the general public, probably five to 10 years after <laughs> they've been introduced to the, through the VA, those, that's, you know, something tried and true. Like I'm not a real big fan of taking medication that hadn't been on the market for oh, a minute, right, right. you know, or, you know, so I don't know. What do you think? I think, I think that, uh, uh, military doctors are, are way better than civilian doctors. I mean, I know how I was trained with my fire direction control and stuff. Okay. We're in class, and, and every time the instructor asked a question, all hands had to go up, regardless if you, you knew it or not. Mm -hmm. And they call randomly on you, and if you got it wrong, you picked up this big Bertha shell that weighed like 200 pounds, and you carried it around the, the schoolhouse and sat it back down, took your seat and stuff. I mean, and you learned it. <laughs> like military doctors, they're, they're, it's not like college. Right. Okay. You, you're not just trying to learn something. The military beats your job into you. Right. You know, you, you have much more training in it than. Right. Than civilians. Well, yeah, there's an additional layer of military culture on top of medical culture. Right. So, and see, and I, okay, so, and a good example, one example is that sometimes I feel like our military doctors, I've been with military doctors, that they're like, oh, you're military, I'm military too, so this won't hurt. And it's like, <laughs> so you're liar. Used to this, right, yeah. well, you know, we, but whereas we, a civilian we, doctor will be like, we feel comfortable. Right. Because well, he's, he's military like us. Well, but the civilian doctors a lot of time are like, well, this might hurt because you're you know, like, you know, we don't want to hurt you. So this may hurt. And I'd rather have a bedside manner and pain than go, you know, just put your elbow on me and let me bite it and <laughs> ride through the pain. I like, you know, so I do, but I do, I, I like both of them. And I think that that, in fact, the Stark, Jim Stark, Thing just made it up to we were going to talk about that which allows people who are um, retirees to choose from either VA or um, TRICARE or civilian they can have both not right. either one yeah. and right now you have to pick one I'm trying I'm trying to think what that, that program is I mean it's basically because the, the, the VA cannot not handle all the patients and stuff, so it's called outpair case, I think it's called. Yeah, or community uh, care. Communi that's it, community, community care. care. That's right. Right. And so, well, but that's also, I mean, but right now, like, if you are injured ahead of 20 years and you're medically retired and you get TRICARE or you get the VA, but you don't get to have both, which is interesting because I can pick between the VA and my regular civilian health care. So I do some things through the VA and some things through the civilian. And um, and I yeah, that's I think that's a, I think that should be for every veteran. You should be able to pick both. Yeah, well, should, do they still should, have yeah. like that right that forty mile radius thing? Or, yeah, if you're beyond uh, forty miles of the the of the, the closest place. VA facility, yeah. uh, like travel pay. Yeah, then you can see a. Like my day was fifty okay. miles, and Audie Murphy was like fifty miles and eight tenths away, so I, just, <laughs> I was able to get my my, my well, travel. travel pay, yeah. We live on this side of the property, so right. Yeah, pick up and move the house to the other side, of the, the other end of the lot, so we get that extra mile on the driveway. <laughs> kind of funny well and i found it interesting because when i moved to new braunfels they didn't tell me i had to leave um i was in austin mm. at the va there and i do like san antonio a little bit better but. oh so audie murphy man that, that's the bomb they, audie have, they have very good doctors there they do trained. but i have panic attacks every well, time i go in there. military city usa too right yeah that's the other reason. and they're good with the veterans they know how to talk to them and stuff they're heated up and stuff like that like one time i had a problem and stuff and i was like kind of uh 
making slamming doors, stuff like that and stuff. And, uh, you know, that's for like they can tase you and stuff like that. But uh, as long as you keep walking towards that door and you don't say nothing, they, they're not going to tase you. It's the stuff. saying nothing that's a hard time because we're usually running our mouths on the way out. We're they're telling them all kind of names. Much better. Just knocking stuff off the shelf. Right. I'm leaving. I'm <laughs> leaving, you P-word. I don't need y'all. Well, I, 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 I broke my over. back and, and uh, I was freshly on the bike like maybe one week. And I, I'm riding to the VA for a, uh, a back thing, you know, we're supposed to check on my back and stuff. And that was 50 miles from my house over there, and it hurt so damn bad. I got there, and the, the apartment lady goes, well, we cancel your appointment. And I said, well, how long would you cancel it? She said, a half hour. I said, it takes me an hour to ride here. You can't answer a phone on a bike, you know. And, hmm. oh, I came apart. I came apart, and I was mad. And, That's usually how it goes. Yeah. You know, you get all the way up there. And then they were like, oh, we rescheduled your appointment. I have a girlfriend that got arrested at the VA, Audie Murphy. And, and it, what's ironic. Because she couldn't accept that answer. Well, I mean, and, and it's, it's one of those frustrating things. She has a service dog. And that was what was interesting is she had gone, she was moving. So she had given instructions. Not She will pick up her medications at her next appointment. So she'll go by that. So don't mail them to her because she's not going to be living at that house. So she goes to her appointment and she gets there and they've canceled the appointment. So she's already frustrated. So then she goes to the pharmacy to pick up her medication, and they've mailed it to her. And she's coming undone, and so she's getting loud, and I guess the person behind the counter has, they start getting loud. They hit the panic button. And this is what kills me is the VA police, the vet police, come in, and they separate her from her service dog, which to me is something that, that's like rule, like working with veterans and service animals. You don't come um, up on a veteran and kick their, their no, crutch out from under her not worth her anymore, which probably right, wild her Right, her wheelchair. Now she's on the floor without her wheelchair. And so then she gets really mad because they've separated, you know, and they, you know, there's three cops coming at her. And it, it did not go well. And she got around. And that's a federal charge. You know, and she's a teacher. You know? And it was, these are the things It's like, how do you get in trouble? That Now, how does that happen? Uh, I've done that's a perfect things like, example. Things like that, when things go wrong with appointments, stuff like that, to the point where when I was at Kerrville, I had to stop at the VA cop shop, be escorted by a cop to my appointment. You know? mm -hmm. But I got that straightened out after a while and stuff, after two years of that, but I'm all good to go. Well, you know, and I had to, I used to be on first name basis with the security people at Randolph Brooks because it would, I would be so stressed going in there, you know, and I would, you know, it was just, it was, I, it was a lot. And but once they realized, it was like you know I just get there's more than three people in here and I just have a hard time. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> come on in. How are you doing? Being being a, a, a military man and, or woman and coming back into civilian life, it is is very hard. Interesting. It's very difficult. And civilians don't understand that. They really don't. Well, and that's what's always interesting is you know I'm I, I enjoy being from here. Trying to make it home is a long journey. It's a long journey home. I mean, physically being there ain't got nothing to do with you actually reaching your destination. Know. You know. Well, and then everybody, whether you were in combat or not, everybody's like, "Oh, you know, don't say anything to upset them or right. whatever." <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like I was in England for three years. How bad could it have been? You know? I got really good crumpets. <laughs> right. My right. crumpets were phenomenal. So they assume you have more trauma than you do, or that you're exposed to more than you have. And and, you know, that's interesting because we do, and I want to say this real quick, which I would love to invite you to this if you're ever interested in doing this, but Soldier Songs and Voices, which is at Cheatham Street Warehouse on Mondays, um, and it does songwriting and guitar uh, for, for veterans it's, as a source of, you know, that's what I used. I played, they took my guitar and they gave, I mean, they took my gun and 
gave me a guitar, and so I learned to play that. But yeah, I had, there was a woman there, and she was asking me what my, you know, she was like, oh, you have a service dog. I mean, you don't look disabled. It was, you know, it was very interesting because, and again, I almost caught my my blood pressure starting to go up. You know, just going just because I don't look. Sure. You know, and so she, you know, so it's like I'm, you know, I'm in constant pain. You know, so it's like I, you don't have to look disabled to be disabled. <laughs> you know, and, I and would so hope that was very. Would gather that by now i would too well and she and she was you know and it was interesting because she was dating a veteran and a, and a vietnam veteran at, at that so it was like well that's you know you know and so it's you know those are tough questions when people say you know well what's wrong with you well why do you have you know it's like oh let me take a deep breath and people at stores and stuff like that they know you're a veteran somehow and they say thank you for your service i think that's a wonderful thing but sometimes it's not i mean right. sometimes they're just saying that just as like a a response that oh I just said to this soldier don't just make me look good stuff right. like that mm -hmm. you know I mean? or they don't know what to say but, but you can tell when it comes from their heart you yeah know, you can tell well and I've gotten to say where I just say welcome home or welcome back you know because um, yeah and we talked about this that was one of our random questions we got we, from Ask a Vet was, oh, right. like what you know sometimes people get upset when you say thank you for your service some veterans do and the question was what would you rather you know and to me I just accept it i mean i'm you know i'm it doesn't matter if it came from the heart or not i mean I, a lot of times i think you know i feel like they're scared we're gonna poke them in the eye if they don't you know we're gonna get mad if they don't thank us or something right oh uh, you know thank you for keeping the home fires burning is what i usually say right on. you know because while we were out doing whatever we were doing you guys were in the back trying to figure out how to help us when we got back here i mean a lot you of know? people with my the way i look and stuff people think i was in, in vietnam and stuff and <laughs> i always tell them it's like well i tried to get in but they wouldn't take eight-year-olds because no, no, that's right. when it ended when i was oh, eight, i thought you, you know, were going to tell them more words <laughs> but those post poor vets i mean they came home yeah. and spit on all that stuff right. like flower children stuff that was a horrible deal man and that's what we learned you don't Imagine have to like those the war guys had to put up when they came back versus us you know right and that's yeah um you don't have to like the war but you don't have to hate the, the troops. We have you know. to fight. If we don't yeah. fight, they will take over this country. They will extinguish every one of us. Right. Well, I mean, that's kind of like hating your doctor for giving you, you know, taking blood. You know, I mean, that's got to be done in order to take right. care of things. And, you know, the, the best you can hope for is what, you, you know, say thank you in a you lollipop. You need somebody on the wall watching the perimeter. Mm -hmm. right? The United States is great because of our soldiers. Someone needs our bump. Somebody needs to keep an eye on the watchtower. Fire guard duty. No God. <laughs> ah. I, fell, I fell asleep in that one time in, tra in training. That's usually a court martial. And guess what? The commander of the base was supposed to be at our PT and my platoon to wake up because I. Oh man, it was a tough oh, one. Oh, see? They rode me so hard. They should have. You let the whole platoon sleep in? I don't know. I suppose, yeah. Nickname for the rest of his service was, I was Sleepy. I 17. Right. I so much, Way to go, Sleepy. It, from that moment on, four hours of sleep. That's the yeah, I saw that. You the remainder, the remainder. Well, I was gonna say you told Absolutely a story earlier about something, and it's every like, day. yeah, I'll learn that lesson. Like, oh yeah, when everybody has to raise their hand, it's like I'll have the answer next time. <laughs> I'm gonna go walk here this around and figure out what the answer was. <laughs> they're like they're like writing letters to mom and dad and stuff, and telling them mom did the wrong thing, man. She called the commander at Oklahoma and and said this stuff. Oh my God, that was the wrong thing to do. Now, yeah. now I got really extra duty and they're they're i'm in front of a drill instructor when i'm writing the note so you make sure nothing goes in there wrong oh right. my god my mom messed up, messed up oh time. family's always and I, and I, I was the guy getting hit, hit by you know probably so well george i want to thank you for coming on i want to thank you i want to and well and i want to i hope you get some mentees Me i mean too. you know i think you you're very you're an asset to the courts and i'm glad and i'm glad you came in today and talked with us thank about you. it so um, I don't know what we have going on next week, but um, we'll be back next week. 
and uh, have a great week unless you've made other plans. Hour is supported and underwritten by Down to Earth Barbecue Sauces and Rubs. Gluten free, no MSGs. 512-585-4497 or sauce at downearthbarbecue.com. Get down to earth and get sauced.